This reminds me of my first experience in radio. It was back in the early 80s. People with disability and mental health. There's always controversy with us. The mysteries of the mind and consciousness. And we might get to the bottom of something or we might start something new. We're going to run the gamut and we're going to have a good time. Waking Braves. No, not Waking Braves. We're Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves? Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves with Alex and Seth on Eastside. Thanks for tuning in. We have a very special guest on today's show, Mimi Bell. Mimi is a passionate advocate for mental health and chronic illness support. We will speak with her about her journey later in the show. But before we go any further, this is a trigger warning. Uh, During the show, we will discuss the passing of a dear friend, a family member and colleague, as well as mental health and chronic illness experiences. We have very upsetting news. If you haven't heard already, our beloved producer and friend Ruth Hesse passed away a few weeks ago. So we dedicate this show to her, the incredibly caring, hardworking, generous Ruth. Before Ruth passed away, she set up this interview with Mimi. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mimi, uh, to pay tribute to Ruth and to speak about your mental health journey. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. It's been such a sudden and tragic shock with my godmother Ruth passing away. I'm both heartbroken and still in denial. She was such a wonderful and caring person and always helping others. Mm. In fact, the last conversation I had with Ruth was to set up this interview and I'm grateful that I can fulfill the last opportunity she gave me and also get to be here and meet everyone at the radio that she loved working at. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mimi. Uh, Well, Ruth was there when you were born on your first international trip and (laughs) she gave you your first car. You guys were so close. What would you say is your favourite memory of Ruth? Gosh, just one. Um, (laughs) I don't think I can just pick one. It's just like this overall feeling. Um, Every time we hung out from when I went for sleepovers as a kid to our more grown-up fine dining that we've done the last few Mm. years um, and our long phone calls, it was just always done in style with a smile wherever you were. Talking about life and love, old films and travel, um, she both knew how to appreciate the finer things in life, um, but also fi- found the beauty in every small thing around her. She really reminded you to stop and smell the roses, you know? Mm. Yeah. Alex, you interviewed Ruth last year where yes. she shared her whole life story. I did, and I wanted to be able to share it with everyone to kind of you know, share her legacy so that mm. everyone's aware. So she was a fascinating person. Um, unfortunately, passing at 63, she had so much more to achieve and go for in her life but she when she was younger she did work for the age l magazine and she was a feature writer for the sydney morning herald she was headhunted by vogue i'm sorry that's the dream awesome. that is the dream and she worked there for a couple of years before leaving to work in television after being offered a film review film review spot on the abc arts television Now, after all this and more, working in the environmental movement for 10 years, towards the end, she really missed journalism. That was what she loved Mm. most. That was her passion in life. Um, So she rang up Eastside 10 years ago, pitched an environmental show to Tony and got a weekly show, just a half an hour segment called Green Velvet. And shortly after, she was offered the Monday Drive spot where she's been, where she was ever since. So she was there for nine, ten years, and then finally, in January 2021, she began producing this show, Breaking (laughs) Waves. 
And that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, mm. she was an amazing friend, an actress, a sister, a daughter, a journalist, a yogi, a filmmaker, <laughs> and so much more. And she she gave us the start, uh, the Alex, Seth and Ollie show on, on Breaking Wave. She really gave us the opportunity to come on here. Yeah. And we're forever appreciative for basically igniting a passion in radio for us. So She did. Yeah, so thank you also both for sharing as well. And after this first song, we'll be speaking with Mimi about her mental health journey. This is Justin Bieber with Ghost. Thank you for joining us. You're 27, living in Sydney. You told us you love the beach, cooking and anything artsy. Now, please tell us about the mental health side of things. Yeah, so, well, through my own mental health and chronic illness experiences over the years, uh, I have become a passionate advocate for mental health and chronic illness support within the community. Can you tell us more about that sort of advocacy work that you've done Yeah, so I've always been quite open uh, sharing about my health journeys, you know, with my close circle and online, uh, whether it's on my personal social medias or in support groups I'm a part of on Facebook. Um, And sharing my story and experience uh, has been really therapeutic for me. But more importantly, I know how much hearing other journeys helped me over the years and I wanted to do the same. Uh, So since, you know, sharing my journey, I've received messages from so many people online that I've helped them uh, understand more about mental health um, or understanding kind of what's going on with them. Um, 
you know, it's encouraged them to reach out for support after hearing my story. So that's been really nice to see. Mm. Um, and then from there, I went on to volunteer my time with a range of different organisations, uh, sharing my health journey on podcasts, through art collaboration projects in the newspaper and more. Um, and then my passion for mental health um, and chronic illness support has now seen me move into a more permanent role uh, within the not-for-profit sector as well. And I have big plans to continue supporting these areas. I honestly applaud you for the work that you're doing, Mimi, because the media, news outlets, TV shows and movies all show an overwhelmingly dramatic and distorted image of mental illness that emphasises dangerousness and criminality. And this stigma influences our attitudes, biases and beliefs around the subject. So honestly, it's up to us to raise awareness and shift the narrative around the subject because inevitably the stigma arises from a lack of understanding of mental health. I I completely agree. And because we receive a narrow lens of information, it doesn't really show the whole picture from the media. Uh, Many people's perceptions of mental health and mental illness are sometimes inaccurate. Completely. And um, moving on to something else, you and I both see a psychologist, Mimi, and it's been life changing for me. But I want to know what an impact seeing a psychologist has had on you. Yeah, it's made a huge difference. You know, I've learned so many coping strategies uh, and ways to work through negative feelings and thoughts, as well as ways to support my well-being in general. I find it sad that some people refuse to normalize therapy because honestly, they're missing out. I know, right? I mean, I think mental well-being is something we should be putting as much time, if not more, into as our physical health. You know, there shouldn't be any stigma about talking about mental health with your friends or getting mental health support. And we really should be taught from a young age that prioritising self-care and mental well-being is a standard part of life. I know a few people who should be in therapy but won't go because they saw a therapist once, didn't like them, so decided that therapy wasn't for them. I mean, you can't rule out therapy because one therapist didn't suit you. I mean, think about it. <laughs> Would you rule out ice cream because one flavour you tried, the first one was mint? Like, mint mints is terrible. It's the worst ice cream flavour. Exactly. <laughs> so you wouldn't rule out ice cream altogether. You just try another flavour. Just like you try another therapist until you find the right one that fits. You know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that therapy isn't always for everyone and there are different ways to get support. But I also know that sometimes it's not therapy that's the wrong fit. It's the therapist Mm. you know um, I saw my first psychologist for eight years uh, before she retired which is very sad (laughs) Um, and she made such a positive impact in my life you know Um, and I've had a bit of a journey finding a new psychologist after her because not everyone is the right fit Um, so sometimes you do have to shop around a little bit which can be expensive and Mm. a bit annoying (laughs) Um, But it's so worth it when you do find someone you like. You know, I started seeing a new therapist a few months ago um, and I think she's just been a really great fit for me. So I'm grateful for that. That's great. That is so good to hear, Mimi. I know I'm just writing for the day that my psychologist retires. I know. I feel like there should be like a rule they can't do that. I know. (laughs) Or like wait till I'm old enough and I don't need to just have a chat with them like every month, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So um, approximately one million Australians are living with an eating disorder in any given year. So this is 4% of the population. You had anorexia from the age of 16 till you were 21. As you don't have anorexia anymore, for women and girls who do have it, how did you overcome it? Uh, It was a journey. Um, The first thing and probably one of the hardest parts was admitting that I wasn't well. Mm. You know, um, I had been struggling with my eating and body image for some time, but I didn't want to admit it and ask for help. Uh, When I finally did realise how much it was affecting my life and kind of how unwell I'd become, I reached out to my family as a first step. 
Then from there, we kind of spoke with my GP who referred me to a psychologist um, and then that became kind of my support system. You know, we put a plan in place which included a combination of uh, CBT therapy, coping strategies, support as I introduced foods back in, mindfulness and a bunch of other stuff. It was very much a multifaceted approach and I wasn't better overnight, honestly. There was lots Mm. of kind of steps forward and steps back. Um, But reaching out for support and kind of getting help was really the best thing I ever did. And I don't think I would be here today if I hadn't have done that. You've mentioned to us that you have also struggled a little bit with um, ADHD and anxiety as well. And um, did you? I want to ask, did you find the coping mechanisms for both of those to be completely different and sometimes challenging? Or did you find similarities in the way you managed both of those that I think you know people should be aware of because it might be quite useful to a lot of people? So I was diagnosed with anxiety and anorexia back when I was about 16, um, but I actually am only just in the process of getting a clinical ADHD diagnosis um, over the last year or so. Mm. Um, But I've been looking into it myself the last few years, and I had found that a combination of coping strategies I knew already um, help. However, I've also found a bunch of new ones that are ADHD specific that have been really helpful that I've been kind of adding into my little toolbox there. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you know, it would make sense as to why some of my um, anxiety kind of wasn't really getting resolved with those old coping strategies as sometimes I think it was more so that the ADHD, undiagnosed ADHD was affecting me rather than the anxiety. Mm. Um, But I also think that both of them kind of overlap a lot of too. So there's a lot of kind of um, tools that you can use for both. Thank you, Mimi. Uh, When we come back, we'll be talking more about support systems. But first, this is Dean Lewis with How Do I Say Goodbye? Early morning. There's a message on my phone It's my mother saying, darling, please come home I fear the worst But how could you leave us all behind? There's so much to say, but there's so little time So how do I say goodbye? Someone who's been with me for my whole damn life Gave me my name and the color of your eyes. See your face when I look at mine. So, how do I, how do I, how do I say goodbye? When I couldn't, you always saw the best in me. Right or wrong, you were always on my side. But I'm scared of what life. Without you's like And I saw the way she looked Into your eyes And I promise if you go I will make sure She's alright So how do I say goodbye Someone who's been with me For my whole damn life You gave me my name And the color of your eyes See your face when Steal some time and start again You'll always be my closest friend And someday we're gonna make it out Just hold the light Just hold the light high, high. So how do I say goodbye To someone who's been with me for my whole day 
That was Dean Lewis. How do I say goodbye on Eastside 89.7? Mimi, how important were friendships and close relationships in guiding you through difficult times? I know you had Ruth and she was such a big part of her life and this is somewhat of a tribute show to her. Um, But how important is a strong support system to have during developing years? So important. Uh, And, you know, support does look different for everybody. For me, my family and friends were a huge support for me. My parents, my brothers, my uncles and aunts, my godmother Ruth, um, my grandparents, my best friends and their families too. You know, these are the people that helped me, but um, it won't necessarily look the same for everybody. It's okay to have your chosen family, um, aka the people who support you regardless of how they are related to be there by your side. What or who has helped you the most over the years having to deal with basically everything like anxiety, depression and everything else? Yeah, so as I said, um, my family, my parents, along with a few close friends, um, they've all been such a huge support to me um, at every step of the way, you know, coming to appointments, looking after me after surgeries, heating up my heat pads, um, or just holding space for me when I'm like sad, anxious, or just feeling a bit crap. Um, And then having a medical team that I trust and who supports me and my decisions, um, including, you know, finding an amazing GP, um, my psychologist who I've gotten along with um, and finding a workplace that supports me as well. Having gone through everything you have been through, now you're 27, what would you tell someone who is just starting out as a teenager who is experiencing similar struggles to you? You're not alone. Um, Even though it can feel like nobody maybe understands you, uh, there are people out there who have felt similar ways and been through similar things. So if you can talk to someone you trust, you know, a friend or a family member, um, or there's lots of spaces online where you can find other people going through similar things for support as well. I wanted to ask just a quick question as well. How important is it, as someone who has experienced it, how it, how important is it to reach out to your mates as well to check on them and make sure they're okay and doing well with their mental health. Yeah, definitely. I think reaching out to the people close to you when they're not doing well or maybe, you know, if they're a little bit quieter or you haven't kind of been talking to them as much, um, maybe they've got something going on, maybe they don't, but it never hurts to ask. I think it's always really important to do that. When working for not-for-profit organisations for mental health, you must have been connected with some incredible people with incredible stories. How much does hearing someone open up to you mean to you as someone who has struggled in the past? Look, I think um, anytime I hear anyone open up about um, mental health, whether it's in the media, um, through work, or just, um, you know, a loved one of mine kind of opening up about their struggles, um, it's always kind of heartwarming, heartbreaking, you know, to hear Mm. kind of what they're going through, but also to hear the kind of strength in them um, and their openness and willingness to kind of share their journey and um, to try and help people um, in a similar situation. You know, there's lots of things that the community does to sort of help spread the word about mental health awareness. I mean, this show especially for this episode is fantastic to get that word out there. But what more can we and the community do to help support charity fundraising events? Yeah, so I think um, raising awareness about um, charities and also about kind of organisations that you support, um, whether that's kind of sharing things online or participating in their events um, and kind of raising money for them as well. And you mentioned at the start of the show, you have big plans to continue in the not-for-profit space. What can we expect to see from you in the future? 
So I think through all of my uh, personal experiences with mental health and with chronic illness, um, Mm. I'm just so passionate about helping those areas, um, but also wanting to help so many other areas um, around the world and in Australia. Um, So yeah, lots of big plans from my end, but I think really um, for the next few years, my focus is kind of um, helping support young people uh, facing mental health difficulties. Mm. um, And then I really want to move into an area that's um, supporting endometriosis Mm. um, and kind of health conditions and chronic health conditions like that. Mimi, you and so many others like yourself working um, for not-for-profit organisations, then it's not really shown a lot in the main media and it's really important we get the word out for uh, out there about it. And it's very important that all of you listening to know that if you know someone is struggling, uh, p- to please call the number on Lifeline, uh, 13 11 14. If you want to seek help, you can see your GP who can point you in the right direction. Also, the Butterfly Foundation offers support for people with eating disorders and Reach Out Australia. They help you deal with stress, anxiety, depression. It's a safe space to chat anonymously. So put in Reach Out Australia into Google and you will have everything there. As we are coming towards the end of the show, we'd like to finish up with a few coping mechanisms. Um, Mimi, you mentioned that you have a certain coping mechanism for anxiety and also just for life in general. So please... Yeah, so um, might sound a little bit silly, but I think breathing is just so important in so many situations. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, because you need to breathe, um, but like um, specific breathing kind of um, tools that you have, you know, if I'm feeling really anxious or just, you know, something stressful is going on, um, I'll just tell you guys one now. So one is called our box breathing. You might have heard of it, um, but basically you kind of um, breathe in to the count of four, hold your breath for four, breathe out for four, And then hold that for four. And then you just repeat that. So it's kind of like Mm. a four by four by four by four cycle um, of breathing. And it's just kind of, um, yeah, to really kind of center yourself and kind of bring yourself back to the Mm. breath. And it's really grounding. So I find that helps. You might not be able to answer this question, but why is the reason for the four seconds? Why is it four seconds and not any other number? Um, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, I think yeah, it's just, just to kind of regulate it. Um, you can actually do the exhale longer. So okay. you know you can do the in by four, hold for four, and then exhale by about mm-hmm. five, six, seven seconds because the exhaling is the bit that kind of helps calm you down. Mm. And what are some situations that you've used the box breathing exercise yourself? If you're happy to share. Yeah, sure. Um. I'm trying to think. I think just if I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed or anxious, mm. um, whether something has happened or, you know, sometimes you just feel anxious for no apparent reason <laughs> um, and just to kind of, yeah, calm myself down. Yeah. Alex, you mentioned you've also got anxiety. What mm. are some of the coping mechanisms that you've used as well? You know, I've heard two over the years. Uh, the first one I heard ages ago, I think it was on Jay Shetty's podcast, mm. um, Purpose, I think it is. And <laughs> he speaks about breathing Doing, taking seven breaths, you count, you do a big breath, same as like the box, you know, technique, box yeah. breathing technique, but you do that seven times. And by the fifth or seventh, you will mostly find that you've lost count. And if you've lost count, then that's really good. It's made a difference. If you've counted all the way up to seven, it means you need to do it again. If you've lost count, it means that you're a lot calmer. One thing that I actually heard recently, I think my boyfriend told me, he was watching this TED talk and it's been so effective you have to try this if you're really stressed i'm saying like breakdown frantic panic attack Mm. take a big breath in hold it and then take another breath so you'll find that your lungs have like no capacity left so a big breath and then and just hold it in and it's amazing so everyone has to try that and then just breathe out and i don't know what it does it like resets my brain (laughs) 
It's interesting that breathing is like the main sort of source of, of calming yourself down. Like mm. to control your breathing. It's, it's very interesting. I'd like to know the science behind that at, at some point. But yeah. I actually heard recently as well that apparently uh, when you look at screens, it can you kind of forget to breathe sometimes when you're looking at screens. <laughs> and if we're all on our phones and kind of working at computers all day, every day, mm. um, I think it's really important to make sure you're kind of bringing those just into your daily routine Definitely. too. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Seth, you have ADHD, mm. which is obvious to everyone. I'm kidding. <laughs> what are some coping mechanisms that you have for that? ADHD is hard in terms of coping mechanisms because you're, it's really out of your control. A lot of it is mm. just, you're just fidgeting for no reason, you're distracted for no reason. It's just, it, it's crazy. But I have this tool that I've sort of done loads of times before I start studying. So like a lot of people who have ADHD, procrastination is the biggest killer. And you'll be on YouTube or Netflix or whatever and you don't want to do your work. If I know I've got work to do, I will count on my fingers one, two, three, instantly in that countdown, or three, two, one, and I immediately shut off all those wow. websites. Immediately turn off YouTube, Netflix, whatever, and I start my work. That takes a lot of discipline. It's once you've done it loads of times, it you kind of it's a switch in your brain. I think you were mentioning as well. It's it's like a bit of adrenaline. That that countdown is like three, two, one. Okay, we start. And I would highly recommend people with ADHD who do find uh, studying difficult. There's website blocker apps you can download. And they will they just block your website, whatever, like YouTube, Netflix, like I said, YouTube, Netflix, any website that you find yourself always going back to, it'll block it for that hour and a half. And it's been, it's proven to be really helpful with study and stuff that I hate to do. For, for people <laughs> listening that want to use these apps, what are they called? So I them? think the best one for your MacBook is called OneFocus. OneFocus on, uh, you can get it on the App Store. Uh, it's so easy, so easy to use, and you just type in your website. Even the apps that you have on your MacBook, you can mm. type, you can put in as well, and it will stop you from going from using them. And it's fantastic. You know what I wanted to ask with the three, two, one? Do, do you use that when you try to get out of bed in the morning? Because I know when you're overly tired <laughs> and you say, "I gotta get up, I gotta get up," and you can't count down. Can, does that work in the morning as well? I've, 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 look, I've used it a few times. Sometimes it works, but a lot of the time, I just take a big sigh of just. Oh god, I've got to do this, and I and I get up out of bed. But uh, I will have to give it the three, two, one, a go when I'm uh, trying to get up in the morning. Thank you so much for coming on, Mimi, and opening up about your life. You are such an inspiration. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a great time being on the show. <laughs> to finish off the show, we'd like to play a song that Mimi says reminds her of Ruth. This is Seed by Aurora. Just like the seed. I don't know where to go Through dirt and shadow I grow I'm reaching light through the struggle Just like the sea I'm chasing the wonder I unravel myself All in slow motion
suffocate me So my tears can be rain I will water the ground where I stand So the flowers can grow back again Cause just like the sea Everything wants to land We are burning our fingers But we learn and Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Breaking Waves with Alex Healy and Seth Dryloff on Eastside. Ollie Shelbourne will be rejoining us same time next week, so don't miss out. Bye. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.